0: Another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. I'm Sailor, and tonight we are taking a break from our Led Zeppelin series to do something a little bit different. We will be dis- discussing the late, great Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Guys, how
1: are you doing tonight? What's up, hey, Sailor? Sailor? Hey, Matt. What's doing up, man? Party?
0: Hey, where's Jake?
1: Uh-oh. Uh, once again, we are without our fourth wheel.
0: Oh, man. <sighs> what the hell is he doing tonight? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't
1: know. Do you think he made another another trip to Jamaica?
0: I actually oh. have a text message that I did not open. And it's from him, just as I thought. Is it a,
2: it's not a picture message, is it?
0: It is not a picture message. <laughs> so he does say he'll send photos later, but he did say he's going back to the Caribbean. So that must have been a successful oh. trip last time.
1: Hey, any excuse to get back to the Caribbean, I don't blame him.
0: I don't blame him either. Touche. Well, all right. What are we getting into tonight?
1: Well, tonight... We felt that we would be a little remiss if we didn't take some time to put together a show about uh, Miss Aretha Franklin, who just recently passed, um, and talk a little bit about Motown and how it influenced so many of the artists that we all love.
2: Yes, indeed, Ed. And for you listeners out there that might be new to the show... We typically compare two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, usually argue, and very professionally debate the merits. And in the end, only one album or artist reigns supreme. Obviously, tonight we will be putting down our battle swords and doing things a little differently. And I think we all need to cool off from last week's show. That was a little intense, actually. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it was be a right. little heated.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I needed to take my blood, blood pressure medication.
1: <laughs> yeah, a little recovery here, but. Before we get into this discussion and also sailors whiskey pairing, um, what's everyone got in their glasses that they're drinking tonight, Matt? Well, I have
2: something that I'm surprised I had never tried before. Considering you know you could probably walk into any store and find it, uh, and that's Evan Williams single barrel. Um, oh and yeah. And this one, yeah. I have a I have a sample bottle and um i did not take note of what vintage it was i think it's either 09 or 10 um but man the stuff is so freaking good and it's like every time i have something from evan williams um i'm just each time i'm just blown away by what you know first of all the price obviously but then second of all just the quality of what's in what's in the bottle is just It's fantastic, and I was telling Ed this off air. It's it's like liquid candy, it's caramel and honey, just complete caramel and honey, and it's so mellow and easy drinking. Um, I would recommend it to
1: anybody, and the price point, you know, for a single barrel, you can't beat it. Oh man, yeah, that's on my short list of whiskeys I want to try. As um, I've stated before, Evan Williams Black Label is just like my. You know, my house of urban here, I, I can't get enough of it. So good, and for the price, is just unbeatable. Um,
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Stuff. I lo- And you guys mm-hmm. know I'm a big fan, and I've been to the um, Evan William Experience a couple of times, and um, mm-hmm. got, I've just, yeah, that's fantastic oh. juice that you've got. I'm jealous. Mm.
1: <laughs> so, Sailor, are you saving your
0: nope. whiskey
1: for your pairing, or do you have something else you're drinking tonight?
0: Nope, I'm drinking something else tonight because what I used for my pairing, I actually got a hold of a while back and just happened to find my tasting notes. Um, The palate is a funny thing, I'll tell you. It never ceases to amaze me, even though I know what affects my palate. But I started out um, this afternoon, I was making a little bourbon tea, and I just had some Wild Turkey 101, and um, I make kind of like a play on a Manhattan iced tea thing. And then Mm -hmm. I had lunch, you know, the afternoon went on. And right before I sat down to record in the studio, I pulled out my Glendala seven-year Irish whiskey. And I cracked this bottle. It was actually a birthday gift from one of my dear friends. Hi, Pammy. And um, I was like, I had just eaten a chocolate or a croissant with Nutella. And this combination was horrific. I'm just like, what in the <laughs> hell am I drinking? This is awful. So I just, I and I know it's not the whiskey, of course. I know better. But, but sure. folks out there who are new to whiskey, this is a common mistake that people make. And you will hear us say all the time. Just because you cracked a bottle, took a sip and you didn't like it does not mean you won't like it. Does not mean there's necessarily anything wrong with it. You gotta keep going back to it because what you've eaten, so many factors, but really what you've eaten can heavily influence, especially something that you don't drink on a regular basis. And this I do not drink on a regular basis. So I went over, mm-hmm. um, finished up that dram and then grabbed my wild turkey master's keep 17 year. Ooh, awesome. Mm.
1: Oh. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I am nursing oh, this bottle you guys. I am nursing this bottle. I'm so in love with it. Oh, I'm obsessed with it. And it went perfectly by the way with my butter croissant with Nutella on it. Perfectly. Ooh. Awesome. Mhm. Great well, companion.
1: Speak- Speaking of Wild Turkey, mm. I have what's a uh, you know, the Master's Keep little brother over here. Wild Turkey Rare Breed.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh.
1: And this is, it's not a single barrel, but it is a barrel-proof whiskey. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something.
0: I don't know, right?
1: This is freaking amazing. I have <laughs> to keep telling myself... This bottle was less than $45.
0: Isn't that yeah. unbelievable? I
1: cannot believe it. Sailor, I believe that's I your Deserted Island that? Whiskey, right? Isn't that it is your Deserted my Island Whiskey?
0: Yes, eh. yes. yes it is. It yeah, is. This, <clears throat>
1: this edition I have, it's 116.8 proof, which from what I understand is the highest proof they've released so far of the rare breed. And i tell you what, the smelling this... Like Matt said, it's like candy in a bottle. Oh I yeah! See, you know those those vanilla caramels you get those little square vanilla caramels. It uh, smells exactly like one of those. Yeah. you put it up to the nose. Oh my god, so good!
0: To and, me, it um, smells like a banana uh, sundae. I get it like banana sundae in it. I get all I get the chocolate. Hmm. I get the banana. I get the whipped cream, the caramel, the vanilla. I get all of it. It's just yeah. Oh heaven.
1: But yeah, on the on the palette though, we get I get cinnamon, I get a little bit of oak and some orange zest in there, and um, yeah, I'm just loving. I'm going to nurse this bottle. Oh man! Well, you know what? I don't really have to nurse this bottle because you can actually find the stuff on the shelf, exactly, and it's not overpriced. Exactly. (laughs) So win win.
0: But don't ever talk about this again because I've stopped talking about rare breed. I rarely even put pictures up on Instagram because I am so terrified that everyone's going to start loving rare breed and that's going to be the end of it for us and it's going to be expensive and allocated and impossible to find and that would just break my heart because it is my, like I've always said, for me that is the definition of bourbon. If there had to be one one bottle, a little picture in the dictionary next to the definition for bourbon, t- for me it would be rare breed. Every time.
1: Very well now said. I seem to have heard, Sailor, maybe you know, that this might be non-chill filtered. Do you know? Is that, is that yes. true? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, so it's like every, it's like checks off all the boxes yes, for the bourbon exactly. geeks, you know, Absolutely. wish list.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, turkey usually does.
2: All right. All right, Sailor, are you ready to reveal what your whiskey pairing is for tonight?
0: Yes. Yes, I am. Alright guys, since we are discussing the formidable Aretha Franklin, her legend, her um, beautiful voice, and we're going to touch a little bit on Motown since um, she got her her start in Detroit, Um, I thought it would be fitting to actually pair a bourbon from Detroit. So, a little bit ago... Um, I came across a bottle um, when I was in my travels in the Northeast of a bourbon that was from Detroit, from the Detroit City Distillery, and I was really impressed with it. It is actually a uh, medal winner, and um, I'm actually excited to see them release um, bourbons that are aged a little bit more, but... I was really impressed with this. So let me just read to you about their distillery from their own words. In the roaring 20s, Detroit fueled prohibition and an entrepreneurial spirit that didn't follow the rules. A century later, eight childhood friends started a small distillery to make alcohol the old-fashioned way. Detroit City Distillery creates small batch artisanal whiskey, gin, and vodka using the finest local ingredients sourced directly from farms near their distillery and tasting room located in Detroit's famed Eastern Market. The result is a drink of distinction made for the revolutionaries, rewriting the history of a great American city. So I give you guys their Butcher's Cut Bourbon. So... Their master distiller wrote just a little piece about it, which I absolutely loved. So again, I'm going to quote right from his own words. So he says, My grandfather lost his finger making a whiskey barrel. He traded his motorcycle to bootleggers for a rifle. After World War II, he began his career as a butcher in Detroit's Eastern Market next to the Slaughterhouse, and I transformed it into our distillery. To honor his life and legacy, I created butcher's cut bourbon using the finest cuts of corn, rye, and roasted barley that I double barrel aged with hand-smoked Michigan North Oak. The result is a bourbon that is timeless and true with exceptional character, just like the man who inspired it. And that's from their master distiller, John P. Jerome. So what I can tell you is um, that it definitely had a lot of flavor to it. Now, it is a young bourbon. It is not a straight bourbon, so it's under two years. The mash bill is 68% corn, 27% rye, and 5% uh, specialty roasted barley. They use all local grains, like they say, from farms really close to their vicinity, which when I looked it up, really impressive. Um, My tasting notes, when I tasted it, it's also 100 proof, which I'm very impressed with. Anytime new distilleries come out of the gate with 100 proof right away, I'm like, yeah, good, good on you. I like it. Very impressive. Um, It speaks a lot, I think, to how they feel about their flavor inside that bottle. So there's a lot of spice to it, cinnamon, hints of pepper, lots of oak, and actually a fair bit of smoke as well. Um, I do not know what their barrel sizes are, but I speculated that perhaps they're smaller barrels. Um, but I can't confirm mm. that. Um, I did, you know, get a little bit of sweetness in there, not too much again, because it's a very young bourbon. Um, it did have a nice velvety texture. Um, the heat level was right where it should be for a hundred proof. It had a very decent mouth, mouth feel that I was um, really impressed with and, um, I definitely got a lot, I got a lot of rye in there and I'm, I'm a rye lover. So, and I do, um, I do like when I can taste a little bit of the rye in a bourbon. I like that um, added uh, level of, of flavor to it. So I was really impressed with this. I think that I would love it even more um, if it was a four-year, and I'm hoping, as most distilleries do as they grow and as they get older, that they begin to oak their whiskey for longer. I hope that they're doing that because I think this could be a big-time winner if it had a couple more years in the barrel. So I would say definitely watch out for these guys, and um, if you happen to see a bottle of Butcher's Burger. On the shelf, please grab it and support these guys because I think it's really a job well done.
1: So, did you mention? I don't think you did. When did they start producing?
0: Uh, they started producing. I think it was seven <laughs> years ago or five years ago. Sorry. Okay. Yeah.
1: And they still haven't released a uh, straight bourbon yet.
0: Well, <laughs> that takes quite a bit of time. So yeah, um, two
1: years is what I thought.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah, it's for a straight bourbon, but if you're under a year, just to call
2: it a straight bourbon too. I mean, if yeah. you're
0: under two years, if and you hit your two year mark, you're not going to have a lot of flavor difference. I mean, you really want to get four years and above to really make a change in flavor. You know, if, if you're mm-hmm. if you're only a few months away, depending on barrel size, of course. I think it's really going to depend on. I mean, I'm, I meant sure. to say it's really not going to make much of an impact. So um, yeah, yeah. So I'm that's why I'm saying I, I'm hoping that they are. Um, gonna pull out a four plus here, bourbon because that would really that would really be killer
2: yeah to piggyback off what your whiskey segment you know, for me anyway i'm a huge fan of small producers uh, i've always been uh and i continue to be and i think that if there's one achilles heel is that they try to get their product out as quickly as possible obviously and they might not um get the optimal profile you know that you would want Um, In a bourbon or a rye When they release it to market Um, You know, it might need some more time in the barrel But, you know, understandable They want to get it out there They want to get their name out there They want to get, you know, the product selling Um, But when you can capture um, A profile that you want With a young spirit I think it, it goes to show that You know, these small producers Are, you know, they're the future That's what they are
1: Oh yeah Yeah you know, and like you say, the uh, they getting into the bourbon business is expensive and they got to get selling some product, whether it's, you know, new make, white dog, whatever you want to call it, or, you know, vodka right. or, you know, these young bourbons. They got to start making some money somewhere um, because they're paying ungodly amounts of money in taxes and et cetera.
2: Exactly. So
1: um, I always try to give these places the benefit of the doubt. And if I'm not crazy about what they're producing initially, I'm like, okay, give them a couple years. We'll come back and see what what they're doing. Uh, Yeah, it's tough. Absolutely. And, and, you
0: know, I think what most people don't realize is not only do you have to have a a facility to produce in, um, you're going to spend your first, depending on your state and when regulations, um, prohibition regulations were released, it's an interesting thing that most people don't realize is, Um, When prohibition was repealed, uh, it was not necessarily repealed in every state or in every county. It was actually left up to the discretion of the counties and the states if they wanted to repeal prohibition themselves. I recently moved out of Ohio and I worked for a small historic distillery in Ohio. And Ohio was in prohibition until the early 2000s still. So how long does it take you to get your paperwork in order? You know, that can take some distilleries a year or two. Going back and forth with the federal government, getting your p- paperwork um, taken care of, then you have to have your inspections. Once you purchase your distillery uh, building or built it, which uh, often happens, and then your stills. Stills can be upwards of a million dollars just just base. Um, so yep. you're you're in you're in a hefty amount of money before you even begin to produce. And typically, like you said, um, you're producing white spirits, gins, vodkas, um, white dog, whatever, as you're honing your recipe, as you're learning your recipes, as you're learning how your recipe tastes coming out of a barrel, how long you need it to be in your barrel, and then barrel size matters. So. Absolutely, I think a lot of these distilleries are going to need seven to 10 years to really put out, you know, a well-aged bourbon and be able to oh. sell it beyond their state is also another story. Um, I believe that the distillery mm-hmm. we're talking about, Detroit, in Detroit, has just started selling statewide um, out of their particular uh, market. So that is also another challenge is distribution. So it's a lot that goes into this. Um, so you should absolutely... Um, if you have a small distiller, distillery near you, definitely support them. Typically, they are getting grains from um, their local farmers as well, so you're also supporting your local farmers. Um, so it's really important, and it's not unusual. What would have been unusual before Prohibition was for us to be purchasing whiskey from the other side of the country typically you would have bought your whiskey from um, a local maker or you would have made it yourself. So we're just kind of going back to what we were doing before.
2: Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right, Sailor. Good discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I love the lengthy whiskey dis- discussions, obviously. Let's talk about Aretha.
0: Louise Franklin was born March 25th of 1942 in Memphis, Tennessee. She began her career as a gospel singer in Detroit, Michigan, where her father was a well-known minister. She first recorded in 1960 at age 18, singing mostly gospel and secular music, and then achieved her commercial success after changing labels in 1966 with Atlantic Records. By the end of the 1960s, she was already being called the Queen of Soul. Ms. Franklin recorded 122 charted singles and a whopping 20 number one singles. She became the most charted female artist in history. She won 18 Grammy Awards and is one of the best-selling musical artists of all time, having sold more than 75 million records worldwide. She has recorded 42 studio albums as well. In 1987, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as the first female performer to be inducted. She has also received the National Medal of Arts, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and was inducted into the United Kingdom Music Hall of Fame in 2005, and then the Gospel Music Hall of Fame in 2012. In 2008, Rolling Stone listed her as one of the greatest singers of all time. So, growing up, Aretha had some pretty amazing influences in her life. Sadly, her mother had passed away when she was 10 years old, so she grew up mostly with her father and various female relatives stepping in to help out and be role models. Her father was a very famous and well-known speaker and minister, and many other famous people in the gospel world and in the civil rights movement were visitors to her home on a regular basis. For example, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., singer Jackie Wilson, Sam Cooke, and famous gospel singer Clara Ward. Clara Ward would go on to be an important role model for Aretha as a young girl in her musical career. She began singing seriously at the age of 12, managed by her father. He would take her on the road with him on the gospel caravan tours to perform in various churches. And Franklin actually went on tour with MLK at the age of 16. Aretha was courted by many labels before she reached the age of 18. One of them was actually Barry Gordy, but her father did not think his label was well-established enough yet, so they took a pass. And in my opinion, I say thank God, or I think we would be telling a very different story here tonight. So that is just a little background on the amazing Aretha Franklin. So, guys, um, what are what are your thoughts and feelings on her, and when did you start listening to her music or music... Um, Motown music like hers?
2: Well, I was introduced to her music from a very early age. Um, You know, my mother, you know, was a big fan, uh, was a big music fan in general. And, you know, there was really pretty much four artists that she listened to regularly. um, And that would be uh, Elton John, Billy Joel, Bee Gees, and Aretha Franklin. So I grew up with it, listening to it in the car, in the house. Um, I mean, what can you say about her? I mean, she is, to me, it's just classic American music, is what it is to me. Um, obviously, she, you know, she reached so much further than just the music industry. She reached, um, you know, civil rights and, and women's rights, and she was always outspoken and she always was a, a pioneer in those. At, you know, obviously, when she started, it was. Um, a very tumultuous time in this country when she was starting to get big and it was the 1960s. And, um, you know, a lot of her songs as well were, um, sort of seen as anthems to those different, you know, the women's movement and civil rights movement. And she just, the talent aside, you you can't just look at the talent with her. You have to look past that and just the impact that she had on culture and this country in general, because I mean, as far as I'm concerned, um, aside from the music, I mean, as a cultural figure, there are few that might be bigger than her. If you look at in that broad broad spectrum,
1: it's hard for me to mm-hmm. pinpoint exactly. Um, you know who anyone who introduced me to her. Um, that really didn't happen that way. I think the first time I really identified her as an artist she had a hit in 1985 which is pretty amazing considering how long she'd been making music up to that point um hit freeway of love Mm -hmm. and you know anyone in my age who was in high school can remember hearing that on top 40 radio all the time and then from there i think is when i started identifying other songs and like oh she sang respect oh Mm -hmm. she sang Mm -hmm. think you know and it kind of went from there you know and i finally realized who this woman was who had all these just amazing songs that were you know you heard them everywhere they permeated culture whether you, you were it was in the background in a movie or it was just on the radio on an oldie station i mean you always heard these songs and um i don't know what, I, what else i can really say about her except you know she was just just one of those voices that you listened to her and it was all i could think about the only word that can come to mind is flawless you know her sound
0: absolutely I mean, she yep.
1: just had it yeah
0: yeah yeah totally I can remember exactly the first time I heard her. Um, I was, uh, I think I was about seven years old. So it was probably 1979 or 80. And um, I had a girlfriend who lived down the street from me. And I had terribly curly, unruly hair when I was little. And my mom had no (laughs) idea what to do with it. And um, I... Had this little friend, um, and I went over to her house. We we're gonna go roller skating, and um, her she had like four or five sisters, and she was a black girl. And um, I walk on the door, and you know her mother has all the girls are lined up in the dining room, and I'm very curious, like what's happening, because um, we were all gonna go roller skating together, and they were all having their hair hot combed, and I didn't know what that was, but her mother took one look at me and goes. Oh girl, get over here! Look at that hair. Probably like I looked like a wild maniac. She would always call me a wild maniac, and so she hot combed my hair, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so beautiful!" I thought it was like the best thing that ever happened. Like I had this straight, gorgeous, silky hair. I was like, "Oh my god!" So, so she had her stereo on. And she was singing along and uh, she was a very funny, really friendly woman. And she's singing Respect. And I remember it because, you know, she's kind of dancing around and she's doing everybody's hair. And I must have been smile- smiling at her because she looked at me and she started laughing and she said, you know, says, come over here, come over here. And she's like, you know, dancing with me and, you know, we're, she's like teaching me the words and she goes, she goes, I can't remember how she said it. Like, this is Aretha Franklin, girl. You got to know who this is because she's singing about us. She's singing this for <laughs> us, and she kept hammering in that point. I didn't know what "us" was or what "us" meant, and I thought, well, you know, I'm not black, so I'm I'm not included in that because I assumed that what that's what it was at first. And then I think it, it took me a while for it to dawn on me. She's talking about women you know, I'm seven, you know what I mean? But I remember, you know, she's so, you know, she's thinking about us, and she's got this, like, determined look on her face, saying R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and I'm just like, this woman's amazing! I love this woman to death, and, um... This house was very musical, so that's my first memory of Aretha Franklin. And I came home and I asked my mom if she would get me the Aretha Franklin tape. My mother's like, What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> was a guy. <laughs> what are they
2: teaching you, <laughs> you over there?
0: <laughs> I know, that's right? Awesome. And my mom actually yeah. goes, Wait, I have a record. She says I have her record and my mom was a big disco fan, but she also, exactly, liked a lot of Soul. So we would go back and forth between uh, Diana Ross and Aretha Franklin for a while. Nice. Um, but it's it's funny because my first, you know, experience with Aretha is this woman saying, this song's for us, this is this is singing, this song is, a, you know, she's singing this for us. When I got into college and, you know... I had been into Save the Whales, and you remember all of that, you know, and um, <laughs> World Wildlife. And, you know, yeah. that was a big deal back then, you know. Oh, yeah. And it's it, those are usually the formative years, well, at that, you know, back then of, of maybe being a little politically aware or whatever. And uh, there was a big rally. It was on MLK's birthday at my college, and uh, I went to check it out, and it was really interesting. There was uh, a lot of – um. Students that had written amazing poetry and were singing songs, and it was a lot of gospel. There was a gospel choir there. It was unbelievable. And this one woman um, came up, and she it was—it was kind of like spoken word, but she was using. She was like intermingling the words to respect. And Respect was playing softly in the background behind her. And I just remember, I still get chills when I think about it. I just got chills. And I just remember being mesmerized. And for the first time, really, really connecting with that song. Although it's had many meanings, of course. I understand that now. But um, f- for a young girl... was a really great anthem it was a really Mm. great thing to be Mm -hmm. singing about respect i mean you know for all the shit i was exposed to that was a (laughs) that was was a really really positive one um (laughs) and then i think it was uh i think i was in my 20s and i just happened to you know these things happen happenstance someone that i worked with was like oh i have tickets to this thing that's happening and it was a um It was some kind of fancy-schmancy charity function, and it had to do with the arts endowments for Native Americans, and Aretha Franklin was a huge, huge champion of the plight of Native Americans. As a matter of fact, she donated untold amounts of money, made appearances, was very outspoken. She was very connected to that cause. So Hmm. I'm in San Francisco at the time, and it is none other than Aretha Franklin. Um, who was there along with, um, oh crap, Harry Belafonte, not Harry Belafonte. Oh God, I'm forgetting. Natalie Cole. Sorry, jeez. I don't my brain went <laughs> It was Natalie Close. Cole and Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Close, whatever. <laughs> I was going to say Harry Belafonte's daughter because I was trying to think, of, you know what I mean. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> In my head, I knew where I was going. There was a, there was a pathway there. The um, important so thing is you got I there. Got yeah, to exactly. See Yeah, I got there. I got to hear, most importantly, it was only three songs, Don't Care. I heard Aretha Franklin sing in person in front of my face, and it was unreal. She, you know how live music can be so different, you know, but when you have someone like that who is magic, I mean, some people I'm convinced just have magic in them. You can't describe it, and it does not... It, does not, it doesn't reflect well enough on, on camera to, to hear it live and to... My God, I don't even think she needed speakers. She was unbelievable. So I'm really, really happy I got that opportunity. And um, I'm really happy she got to have such a long career. I mean, the last album she released, I think, was in 2014. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's incredible. And, and what a yeah. legacy she leaves behind. Just cl- she was a class act, too. I've written, read mm-hmm. many books um, from some of the great uh, producers, some of the great, uh, you know, record label moguls from the 50s through the 80s and so on and so forth. And all of them. I've never read a bad thing about her um, as far as her talent and her professionalism. So, yeah. yeah
2: Another I, one of those I, rare I people I've in the music in awe business awe that no one had a bad word to say about. Yep. Yeah. Correct. There aren't many. Yeah. That's yep. all.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Uh,
1: too rare these days. Yep.
0: And as a matter of fact, I, there was a heartwarming story. Um. Oh God, what is his name? Clive. I'm going to do it again. Record label mogul, one of the most famous ones ever. He wrote an incredible book.
2: Clive Davis.
0: Oh God. Anyway, thank you. No? Yes. Yes. He right. wrote in her book. Yes. Yes. He. Um, <laughs> I, he, had, he threw was throwing a birthday party for her, I believe it was a birthday party, and it was maybe her 40th or 50th, I can't remember, it was something very, and, and got the top floor of this beautiful hotel in New York City, it, you know, went all out. It was this amazing, incredible to-do that he put on for her. Well, she, turns out she is terrified, terrified of heights, and um, she actually didn't say anything to him. And when he asked her afterwards, she said, well, you had gone to all of that trouble. She didn't show up. She ended up saying she was ill, and she tried. Apparently, the poor thing tried to get in the elevator and go up oh, several no. times, and she couldn't make it. I oh, know. So goodness. she didn't show up to her own birthday party. But I thought it was so sweet that she didn't want to say, oh, God, hey, you know, um... <laughs> And she said, you know, he went to all this trouble and I didn't. And so, and he was devastated. He was like, oh my God, I would have done it on the first floor for her had I known. You know, he was also also felt so bad. I just love those. There was a lot of stories like that about her being um, very considerate was a word that that came to mind uh, a lot when people would speak about her. Mm -hmm. You know, and Ed, you made an interesting point about her having a revival of her career in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of Tina Turner. I think they both kind of yeah. had that revival at the same time. Yeah, you got, yeah. exactly. And it was, uh-huh. yeah, it was a really interesting time in music that a lot of these powerhouses, a lot of these soul singers, um, came back and were relevant in the eighties. I think speaks to the quality of listeners at the time. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> and you know, she had she had maybe five or six albums that completely bombed. You know, in the mid to late seventies. Yeah yeah i mean completely
0: yes yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, not um, all her albums were hits but yeah. you now
1: yeah it's amazing you bring up uh, tina turner and aretha franklin i was just thinking about this recently how a lot of these artists that you know when you're a teenager you don't have you haven't been listening to music for you know 20 years like you are when you get to be our age um and like artists like Lionel Richie, you know, you think, oh, it's just yes. Lionel Richie. He's a guy who sings songs. Yeah, and you, we like, didn't know where he came from. This guy was like the frick. Yeah. He was uh, the Commodores, and it's like, oh my gosh, yes, he's got this whole yes. history before he yes. sings dancing yep. on the ceiling air yep. or whatever for all night long. It's like, you know, man, you know who else? Like that,
0: Eddie Money. So, do you remember "Take Me Home Tonight," the Eddie Money yeah, song? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Who could forget that? So. I'm in the car with my mom. I will never forget this. I think I'm in the eighth grade or something. And I'm you know, we're jamming out to this song, and she goes, Oh, I know this my mom's terrible with names. She goes, Oh, oh, I know this singer. Remember the I hate to call Ronnie her the background from singer. Ronnie in the and song? The yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Oh, so yeah. my mom thinks about Be it. It comes to her. Baby. So she tells me all about <laughs> yes, the Ronettes, but who the hell would know that at our age? If my right. mom hadn't said anything, I wouldn't know that. You know, that she was from the Ronettes, was like, you didn't get any bigger at the time, you know? Um, so, there was sure. a lot of that happening in the 80s, actually. It's same thing with um. what the hell were there, stu- this is a bad example, maybe I shouldn't bring it up, Starship, whatever the fuck they were called. It was Grace. Oh Slipkin. yeah, Jefferson yeah.
1: Starship, Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, that's it. Grace Slick, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grace slick. Oh my gosh. There's a but
0: speaking the less, of the
1: opposite the opposite of Aretha Franklin we built the city on a and, and roll goes.
0: we built the city on bullshit actually <laughs> yes exactly Oh uh, in my in my timeline Man. i briefly anyway, touched oh, on we of
1: yeah
0: when i talked about um being grateful that her father chose not to sign her with Barry Gordy. Um, I don't know how familiar everybody is with Motown, um, but I, the, one of the biggest criticisms of Motown is that it was a hit factory and that the artists were really not given um, any, if at all, creative freedom over their own music. So um, I wonder how different the story would be had she signed with Barry Gordy. um, If she would have been able to battle him or not.
2: All right. So speaking of Motown, let's, let's dig a little bit into that right now. um, Stemming off from our Aretha discussion, because I think that, you know, myself personally, um, I'm the furthest thing from what would be considered a Motown fan or, you know, any sort of, you know, rhythm and blues or soul, Uh, Fan, But, you know, if you get a chance, if you're a music fan, if you're real passionate about the history of music, um, which, you know, I consider myself to be, you know, once I dive into something, I really like to get to the bottom of it. And I really like to learn about music history and stuff like that. Um, You know, if you get a chance, really read up on Motown or watch documentaries because it's a really interesting history. And to me, I mean, it's the typical like rags to riches American story. I mean, you have a gentleman here who started... Um, you know, who had written some songs, he did not find any success, the money wasn't there. He decided to get into producing music in 1959, and we're talking about Barry Gordy, obviously. Um, and you know, he started with a loan of a few hundred dollars, and within seven years, the man built pretty much a music empire. I mean, they were grossing northwards of 20 million dollars, 25 million dollars. Um, and you're talking about some of the biggest names, not only in the genre of what you would call Motown, but in music history, came out of this um, you know, small, you know, the original Hitstown, Hitsville, USA, I guess is what they called it, which was in this small <laughs> photography studio which they had turned into a mm-hmm. small recording studio <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Detroit. Uh, I mean, you're talking Diana Ross and the Supremes. You're talking Gladys Knight and the Pips, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder eventually, you know, a little bit down the road. Um, but and it's just amazing that um, you would figure Aretha would have been a shoe in to sign um, with this company and she didn't do it. And it makes you kind of want I'm always about the hindsight. And it makes you wonder where her career trajectory would have gone if she had actually signed with Barry Gordy and and had pretty much all the control exactly. of her music taken from her, um, because you know they had songwriters, they had um, amazing studio musicians. Um, I think um, I was watching a documentary about this, and I think it was it was either Smokey Robinson or Stevie Wonder who said that. You know, these house musicians um, or these studio musicians that they used for these Motown records, the early Motown records, um, were on more number one albums. have recorded more number one hits than, like, the Beatles, uh, Elvis combined. Yes. It was a ridiculous number yes. of, of songs, yeah, that these guys were on. Uh, it just makes you wonder. It. It's amazing how history like that works. I'm fascinated by it.
0: Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of – it's really interesting because do you remember when um, – what was the movie called that was supposed to be about the Supremes? Um, and the girl, Oh, the heck was it called? You know what I'm talking about, right? The something oh, girls, yeah. dream girls. Yeah, I yeah.
1: know what movie you're talking about. I can't Dream think. girls. Dream, dream girls. girls. Yeah. yeah. So there was a lot yep. of,
0: did you read about kind of the controversy about that? Dream girls? Because the,
1: mm-hmm. no,
0: not a lot of people liked how he, he was portrayed in that movie, which I thought was very, very interesting. Um, but, so I think it was, um, where, why am I losing my, I can't, do, what's with names in me tonight? What the fuck?
2: Is that Eddie Murphy's character?
0: Yes. Is that Eddie you.
2: Murphy's character in that movie? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that,
0: yeah, I think it was him. Yeah, he was supposed to be. Um, but, so there was. there's a lot of talk about how you know, the artists were also treated like the session musicians. Like you're here to sing and you're going to sing what we write and you're going to sing it this way and we're going to release it like this. And that's how it's going to be. And it worked. Of course it's called Hitsville USA. However, Mm. when he did let some of his Mm. artists, finally they got to the point where they were like negotiating their contracts and like, Hey, I want to write my own shit. I want to do my own thing. It worked. Um, Let's Get It On is a perfect example, you know, of a first single. Um, yep, yep. So, and Stevie Wonder also. So, um, but it, it, if you look at the artist, though, that stayed with him from what a lot of other people had said when I was researching this, they weren't the type to rock the boat. Now, Aretha Franklin wasn't going to take shit from anybody. Nobody was going to tell her how to do it, why to do it, or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I always wonder, would that have worked anyway? You know, I don't know that it would have worked. Um, I think she did just fine without him. And I think we are the greater for it that she did it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Her father was correct, I think, in the end. Yeah. You know, for a while, they were probably like, damn it. Yes. But in the end, he was absolutely correct.
1: Yep. Yeah. Right or wrong, you can't argue with history uh, and the results. Exactly.
0: Well, you cannot. It was really nice to spend this time talking about Aretha. And paying a little bit of tribute to her, the Queen of Soul. And, um, God, there'll never be another one like her, that's for sure. So. Nope,
2: one of a kind, definitely.
0: Absolutely. She deserves all the respect. R-E-S-B-C-T.
1: Speaking of respect You gotta love her We can all Spell it on cue
0: No we can't <laughs> <laughs> Not tonight <laughs>
1: no? Well If you enjoyed this show As much as we did Please join us next week Where we will have Part 2 ...of our Led Zeppelin series. <laughs> and it's... Oh, good. man. If you've heard part one.
0: Oh God.
1: You know this is not going to be one to miss. Oh. I'll tell you what. Honest, honest with you guys, last week's episode... That was one of my favorite episodes I think we've done. What? I know Sailor and Jake <laughs> were a little hesitant about releasing it. But Matt and I think... And I convinced him that it was a good thing. That's what so, the show.
2: That's what the show is about, man.
1: I mean, it was raw. It was. <laughs> I mean, it was. Uh, it was awesome. So you, if you haven't checked it out, you gotta go check out that episode. Our Led Zeppelin part. The
0: one only reason and part
1: two. I am so looking forward.
0: The to only it. reason that I wanted to redo it is because I was. Okay, so just so the listeners know, so I'm still out in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm up in the mountains, and I have a terrible internet connection, so I'm lagging behind the other guys, and I was trying to speak so fast so that Jake didn't jump in and take over the conversation, because I wanted to get through, and I had said, let me just get through all these instances, and then we can discuss it, and he kept jumping in, so I'm just trying to speak really fast, and I'm like, red Zeppelin like, I couldn't, I couldn't even speak speak (laughs) anymore and then i just got i I, I know i sounded so pissed but i wasn't pissed at jake i wasn't i was pissed at my freaking internet connection i wanted to take my computer and throw it across a fucking room but yeah so that's what was going on behind the scenes (laughs) it was fun
1: (laughs) so now i guess we come to the point where we talk about what we've been listening to if you've got anything to share the rest of us
0: yes i do
1: sailor okay All right.
0: so you, you know go. how we always talk about our friends please excuse my dead aunt sally on the show
1: oh yeah Love i gotta guys. say
0: their <laughs> their most recent episode well it might not be when this airs um but it it's about um oh my god it's so funny it's about dating as a mormon it, it's, I laughed, I laughed so much. I, I figured it was safe to listen to it in the car with my nieces and nephews. Um, and, uh, oh my God, I was laughing so hard. I had to actually stop it until we parked the car because I was like crying laughing. It was absolutely hilarious. So I highly recommend giving those friends of ours a listen. And my girls at the Drinking Darlings, as always, knock it out of the park. They're super awesome, so give them a listen as well.
1: Well, I definitely got to check out that latest episode of Please Excuse My Dead Aunt Sally. I'm just looking on my phone. It's like I didn't see that one. Um, but for some reason, I got unsubscribed. I had to resubscribe to it. I don't know. I've seen every other every other uh-huh. one up or listened to every other one up to that point. That's weird. So anyway, that's a hint for everyone else. If you haven't seen or why do i keep saying scene (laughs) like we're a freaking tv show (laughs) thank god we're not an episode from us in a while just make sure you haven't accidentally gotten unsubscribed yeah so anyway having said that watch cobra kai if you're a fan of that
0: hey i got there you're a fan of karate i got there first remember last winter remember
2: yeah 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 all right I remember. I remember bringing it up the first time. Remember,
0: I said so. see it because I watched all of them.
2: Oh, okay. We
0: talked about it on you the say show. So.
2: Well, season two will be coming out next next spring, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: Next spring? That's really far away. What the fuck?
2: Yeah. Well, they're filming right now. <sighs> Lame. So.
1: So yeah, considering how long you had to wait from the last Karate Kid movie. <laughs> yeah
0: good point oh uh,
2: that's fine i'm not counting that last one with the freaking what's her face you <laughs> oh, ever, you see that one
0: no god gross. which one no
2: the ne- what with what, the what's her what's her what's her, what's her, face? her nuts you were gonna
0: one. say what's her nuts weren't you
2: <laughs> i was gonna say that but that doesn't work yeah it doesn't apply uh <laughs> whatever uh what the hell's her name i'm not gonna stop until i figure out what, what her name Gingling is it, quick um
1: Oh, Hilary Swank! Hilary yeah. Swank, thank you, Ed. Yeah. Yes,
0: and she's awesome. But- oh,
1: you're talking about the one where she was the right. Karate Kid? Yes, yes. Stupid. Yeah, in uh, like
0: 94,
2: 95 that came out. Yeah, that train right. wreck that was. No, I yeah. was
1: thinking about like the legit Karate Kid movies. No, there's only one. Wait, karate well, kid. there that what there was that one with um, was it Jaden Smith? Oh, the remake. Yeah, we don't even speak yeah. about that.
0: Yeah. We don't. We don't.
1: We don't. So that's... Shh.
2: <laughs> Ralph Macchio. I was watching a and A Q&A with Ralph Macchio a few years back, and uh he ans- he 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 said in the interview, he said, "I always knew I had to etch it on my tombstone, but I never thought I'd have to put the original
0: oh, Karate damn. Kid on my tombstone."
2: Yeah, yeah. He had he had a few choice words nice. about that remake, but hey, you know, it's his baby, man.
0: What the fuck else has he ever done?
2: Exactly. well, outsiders, you know. Outsiders is pretty good.
0: Did he do that after Karate Kid?
2: No, no the year before. the year before. Yeah. No,
0: exactly. So I'm saying, what the fuck yeah. else did he ever do? Meaning after karate kid. My cousin Vinny. Nothing.
2: My cousin Vinny. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but he was I like a know. minor role. Yeah. He wasn't even important in that.
1: <laughs> What's a ute?
0: <laughs> <laughs> My biological yeah, clock is ticking like music. this.
1: Matt,
2: save us. Get us out of here. Okay. I started it, so I'll get us out of here. All right. So, to all of our listeners, our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at metal rock whiskey. Send us your love, your likes. Please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about the show. You can also follow us individually on Instagram, yours truly at the whiskey obsessor that is whiskey
1: save the e ed they can find me on instagram at bourbon geek and sailor how about yourself
0: well they can find me all over the place as sailor retro and they can find our dear friend jake as bourbon spartan and as jake usually says this was a lot of fun guys hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did but now my glass is empty (laughs) and it's time to go (laughs) be sure to tip your waitress and I'm not gonna try to do Torben we're out love you Aretha
1: respect R-E-S-P-E-C-T
0: And we're and we're done. Hey, Ed, did you see my note at the bottom to play us out with Good Times? It's her song, Good Times. Not Good Times from the show, Good Times. <laughs> Ed, what are the, not getting hassled, not getting hustled, keeping your head out the water, making any play that you can, temporary lays off. <laughs> good times. <laughs> Easy credit, ripoffs ain't we lucky we got' em? <laughs> the fuck <laughs>